Welcome to I'm the Other Guy. I'm your host, Christian Lawrence. This is the podcast where we talk to up-and-coming comedians about their one-to-one offstage experiences with the greats of comedy. Our theme song is by Super Fun Yeah Yeah Rocket Ship. They've got shows coming up on August 22nd at Dojo Pizza and September 5th at Strange Donuts, both in St. Louis. Don't forget to pick up their album, Please Stop, on iTunes. It would be hard to classify today's guest as an up-and-coming comic. Ron Stevens has been working in the comedy and radio industry since the 1970s, but I couldn't pass up the chance to talk to Ron about the greats of comedies he's met in his career. Ron is one half of Stevens and Gridnick, a comedy sketch duo with his wife, Joy Gridnick, that released two Grammy-nominated albums, Somewhere Over the Radio, and Retail Comedy at Wholesale Prices, on Laugh Records. Unlike Superfun, these albums aren't on iTunes, which is a shame because... Just the album covers themselves are incredibly awesome. Ron was in the L.A. comedy scene during the 1970s and 80s at the Comedy Store. And in the 1990s, Stevens and Gridnick became morning radio hosts on Hot 97 in New York. They regularly interacted with huge powerhouses of comedy. Ron and Joy built and sold a company called All Star Radio Networks. And Ron now runs OnSTL.com, a website focused on all things St. Louis. Ron has accomplished more than I could possibly summarize at the beginning of this episode. He's incredibly modest, and he's filled with awesome stories. So this is my interview with Ron Stevens about Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Tommy Chong, and George Burns. Oh, I'm the other guy. Hey, Christian, how you doing? I'm man? well. I'm well. Ron, what's going with you, man? Good. Hey, you're the host. I shouldn't be asking. That's I'm okay. Fine. No, I'm. I'm, I'm right. here to. I'm here to just. I'm just here to listen to you. I'm ah, here to okay. hear you talk about stuff. So, you'd mentioned to me that you have, as opposed to usually, let's. It's like you know, hey, I've got this one story with this one guy. It yeah. sounds like you've got. So I, I got to tell a bunch of short ones, I guess. Oh, dude. Because see, I, you know, yeah. I started here in St. Louis on KC Radio back in the '70s. Right. At that time, I had an interest in comedy, and the record labels knew that, so they would steer me to some things that way. Then in the 80s, lived in Los Angeles throughout the 80s, did stand up at the Comedy Store, the Improv, the Laugh Factory, what? all the usual, usual places, so I encountered some there. Then in the, let's see, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, did a morning radio show in New York, and every week we would have a New York comic come in right. to interview them. So I had those, and then we moved back to St. Louis, and here, to my surprise, encountered even more of this trash. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I want to start, I want to start with <laughs> back in the 70s, but yep. I am an up and coming comic. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, they say it takes an average of what, 10 years to make it. To make, yeah. That, that's if you do it every day. Yep. So, so if someone comes up to you any day of the week and you're a stand up comic, you can say, yeah, I'm a stand up comic. And they'll say, oh, that's great. Show me some stuff. Be funny for me. Right. But if like me, where it's like every other, other day, so that's why it's taken me up. So I'm still up right. and coming. Up and coming, uh, absolutely. It, right. uh, <laughs> I, I might someday say, you know, brain surgeon. And then you would say, oh, that's great. Show me your stuff. You know, operate on a brain. Uh, but, you you know, you can't do that. that see, that's the difference. As a, as a, as a, as a stand-up comic, yep. even if you've really never done it, you have to say, yeah, I'm a stand-up comic. You just have to lie from day one. Get, right, right, right. right. I'm getting there. Can't do that as a brain surgeon. This is true. Not allowed. You this have to true. have actually operated on a brain, but not necessarily successfully. But just just tooling, you know, just so. tooling around. All right. So so in the seventy, <laughs> exactly tool around. Right. Uh, Mom, come here a minute. I want to. 
<laughs> so, so in the 70s, I was on the air in Casey in mm-hmm. the afternoons, and the record labels knew that I was into comedy, uh, and Buddha Records, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but there was a, a label called Buddha Records that just released an album called An Evening with George Burns. Man, oh man. Yeah. Man, so oh they man. called me up and said, George Burns is going to launch this album in New York, He's going to do a show, live shows, on stage in New York. We'd like you to go. So they flew me to New York to see George Burns on stage. I'm in row 13. In row 12, just ahead of me was Alice Cooper, which in itself was just kind of bizarre. Already, I didn't need to smoke any pot for this. It's just like, no. Yeah, it's just a bizarre experience. And this was my first trip to New York. So I was already intimidated. Now, the announcer says, uh, the audience is full. There's several thousand people, big auditorium. The answer goes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome George Burns. And out walked Jack Benny. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Jack Benny did a half hour. Dude. I mean, he was in his 80s. Dude. He was in his 80s doing comedy like he was in his 20s. It was just amazing. And then George Burns came out and did an hour of comedy. Never looked at notes. Had a cigar. Just went, 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 went. Just incredible. Then he said, okay, there's a... There's a party at the Waldorf across the street. Afterwards, you're going to go to the party and meet George and Jack. Okay, this is good. This is good. And Alice is there. Alice Cooper is there. So we're in this small room. It was just a little suite in the Waldorf Hotel. And I'm talking. I find myself actually talking at the same time to Alice Cooper and George Burns <laughs> and Jack Benny. Man. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Right there, I can, I can right. die. Right, I'm we're done. done. Right? No. Done. No, it's not over, though. Somebody walked up and handed Jack a joint. <laughs> he didn't take, he didn't blink, didn't blink an eye. They're already just going back and forth on each other. I mean, they're old friends and they're just right. on. They're still on after you would be after a good show. You right. Know? Joking, joking, joking. He takes a toke, hands it to George. George takes a toke and George hands it to me. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, I'm fine with smoking pot. Yeah. But this was just handed to me by George Burns. George Burns. <laughs> so I said, I guess it would be out of the question to take a picture now. Can we no photos? <laughs> no, can't do that. No, you, you guys know no one's ever going to, I'm going to tell the story someday. No one's going to believe me. <laughs> but it happened. There, there, were, there was no trash in there. No trash. Right. So that, that was that. But, right. But anyway, oh I want to get gosh. that one out of the way. And then we'll, okay. go to, we'll go to the trash story. Okay. Okay, trash story. Fast forward to the 80s. <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, Joy and I are doing stand-up together yeah. at the Comedy Store a lot. There's, you know, it's, it's the same now as it was then. A lot of excitement about comedy. A lot of y- uh, young comedians. You've got like three levels of comedians. Those are just coming in. They, they work hard together. They support each other to whatever level they can. They do a lot of open mics. Yeah. Then you've got the comedians that have been doing it for eight, nine, ten years. They're touring. They, they know their stuff, but they're... They're workhorses. Yeah. Then you've got those that have made it, you know. So you got those different levels, and yeah. you had that then. And I was in that fr- a little bit in the first level, and kind of in the second level, yeah. because it, by the time we got there, we already had a comedy album. We had some history to us, yeah. But we were new at stand up. But fortunately, the comedians at that second level, like Kip Adada, Bruce Babyman Bomb. I don't know if you know any Gallagher, okay. of course. Yeah. Uh, oh man! Yeah, there were names that people you know. At that point, they—I mean, even in New York, even at that point, Seinfeld, uh, who was just coming out to LA, he was still—he was at that second level still. Yeah, you know, he hadn't gone to the third level yet. So uh, we would all hang out at the comedy store, and there's this guy named Alan Bursky. 
Okay. Now, uh, do you, do you is know that what I'm Alan Bursky was the youngest stand-up comic to ever perform on The Tonight Show. Okay. He was 16 years old, and he performed on The Tonight Show. Okay. And that happened because he and, at the time, Polly Shore, uh, yeah. his mom, Mitzi, owned, owned, it. owned right. it. But Alan Bursky's father ran the comedy store. So gotcha. Alan and Polly were good friends, and they would hang out together, and they were both just shitheads. <laughs> yes. They were just total yeah. brats. Yeah. You know? And yeah. uh, but we, you, you had no choice. <laughs> if you wanted to work there, you you had to like these guys. Right. Well, by the time we showed up, Alan had already done the Tonight Show. He'd been on the on uh, so many TV show sitcoms and stuff. Played parts in sitcoms. I'm trying yeah. to remember one in particular, uh, the Partridge Family. I think he was like their manager, road manager, or wow. something for the Partridge Family, or what? something like that. Or uh, the Cowsills, one of them. I don't. Know. They're the same act, aren't they? The right. Cowsills and the Partridge. Family. Yeah. Okay. But the Partridge family had the TV show, so it had to be them. Okay. Um, he worked for Steve Binder, who okay. had produced and directed all of the um, variety shows of, of the time um, that were, you know, the comedy at that point, like the Mary Tyler Moore show where, where David Letterman worked and uh, yes. Steve Martin worked. He worked with all those people. Yeah. And he decided to get into management. So he managed Alan, but then Alan got more involved with the management end. And then they took on us, so Alan was kind of our junior manager. Gotcha. So, all right, uh, but Alan still—he still did stand up. Yeah. And and we were doing stand up there. And one day Alan borrowed five hundred bucks for me. Okay. And I thought, okay, you know, he works for Steve Bender, and uh, sure, fine, you know, pay it back in a week, so fine, okay. So a week goes by, second week goes by, and I'm poor. <laughs> I'm poor. I don't have that kind of money, and I really thought I would just get it right back. You know, I did. And I didn't. So I, <laughs> I confronted him on the parking lot behind the comedy store. There's a parking lot back there. It's a private parking lot. No one really is allowed to park back there. But that's where the comedies go outside to smoke a cigarette, hang yeah. out and stuff. Yeah. So I'm out there and I confront him about this $500. And I could tell with his answer that really it, there was no yeah. way I was ever going to get this yeah, money back. So, so I was mad. So now I'm not proud of this moment because... I'm a little guy, but he's li he's smaller. He's smaller. He's smaller. I hit him. Mm -hmm. I punched him. Mm -hmm. I threw him to the ground, and I'm on top of him, and I'm swinging away. And out come about six comics, and I realize, oh shit, they're all like his best friends, you know. <laughs> and my career is over. This right. is it. They pull me off, and they go, oh, it's just Alan Bursky, and they throw <laughs> me throw me back on again. So, that's where my career began, really. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that's silly. So, so <laughs> I, I, Steve Bender ended up giving me the $500 back, and then they, he docked <laughs> Alan's pay from that. But here's the thing, what I didn't know at the time when this happened. Yeah. He, uh, one of the comics said, you realize that Alan carries a gun. Now, see, comedy back then was really more like gangster comedy. Really, there were a lot of drugs. There was a lot going on. So some guys carried guns. Alan Bursky is famous for having said, he was, he was Freddie Prinze's roommate. He oh, was whoa. famous for having said, I'm the guy who handed Freddie the gun. Jesus. You know, Freddie committed suicide. Right. That's Alan Bursky. Now, he will hear this someday, and he'll come after me. So, uh, oh, my God. So do me a favor. Yeah. Don't, don't hashtag this Alan Bursky. Okay, yeah. No, just yeah. don't do that, and, yep. we'll, and we'll be I got you. Great. Uh, okay. Oh, my All right. gosh, Ron. Okay, that was the 80s. Now, let's see. Oh my let's, go to, <laughs> let's go to the 90s, oh early 90s. Oh, my God. Uh, Joy and I are working in New York doing a morning show on Hot 97, which is owned by the same company that owns Casey here in St. Yeah. Louis. Yeah. But that was, that's not why we got the job. It was totally unrelated to that. 
We got the job because they were stupid. They, they, they thought we would be good. They, <laughs> hey, they have a radio background, and they do comedy, and they've been working together for years. This is a natural. Right. Well, we had never done morning radio together. We started morning radio in New York together. Right. We learned how to do morning radio in New York. We started at the top yeah. and worked our way down. There's no better way to do business. So we did. Okay. So every, every week, we, we actually had a person who worked for us on staff who was paid $60,000 a year to do nothing but book comedians to come in and be on the show. Wow. I mean, that's New York, you know? It's right. nuts. So every week we had a comedian. And it was fun. And we had good comedians. Uh, Alan Bursky was one of them, as a matter of fact. Uh -oh. um, once we had Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Now... If you watch Jerry Seinfeld when he's on Letterman, well, he can't do that anymore, but go back and look at some of them. Yeah. Notice that of all the comedians, he sticks to a script. He does. You can't vary from that script. He didn't hand us a script so much. Right. But if you ask him a question that he doesn't expect, and if you don't know his material and you go off on something, he doesn't really answer it. Huh. He just, the entire interview, he did with his eyes closed. Now, I can't do that on television, but he, if you look closely, he's kind of doing that. He's not really looking anywhere. But he did it with his eyes closed. He didn't look at us. He walked in, said, yeah, hi, closed his eyes, went on the air, did the, you know, had fun with him and stuff, but he basically did his material, kept his eyes closed. When it was over, he walked out. Didn't socialize at all. And I don't know if, if it was that smell. Uh, I don't. I don't know what it was. I, mean, I, I don't know what what That's made him be that weird. Way. I know That's it, it crazy. was it was very very um, uncomfortable. Yeah. Now another time we were supposed to interview Jay Leno, but Jay uh, was doing a show. He was in L.A., so we had to call him up. When we got off the air, we got off at 10 a.m., which was 7 a.m. in L.A. So they, the his manager said, "No problem. You know, just call him. He'll he'll be up. He knows you're going to call. Yeah. He had his home number, so we call him." And you could hear the phone fumble like you just woke someone up. Yeah. You know, you go, hey, did I wake you up? Why do I sound like I'm awake? Uh, <clears throat> so, <laughs> so he's going, hello. Uh, Jay. Yeah. Jay Leno? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's Ron and Joy in New York. Uh, we're supposed to interview you now? Uh-huh. Uh, so, so how's the show going, Jay? Good, good. Going a little good. An entire interview of that. <laughs> to the point, to the point. I mean, he answered every question, but is like totally disinterested in what we were doing and Jeez. obviously not awake. <laughs> so we hung up the phone and we go, this isn't right. So, something wasn't right about that. We, we just, let's call him back. And we call back and he answers, hello? Jay Leno? Yeah, yeah, Ron and Joy? Uh-huh. Yeah, hey, I, I, I was told you were going to call. So are uh, you ready to do the interview? To this day, we have no idea who we talked to the first time. <laughs> it might have been him. It might have been some dude. So, to be sure, to yeah. be safe, we ran both interviews. <laughs> <laughs> we told the audience what happened. We just ran them both. That might have just been some, like, some guy. Could have been, or it could have been Jay. We have no way of knowing. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Oh, okay. God. Now, one more story. Go to the 2000. In 1996, Joe and I moved back to St. Louis. We had a radio syndication company, which we started in L.A. We were on 700 stations around the world, most of them in America. Yeah. And we were doing very well with it. And uh, we were operating it. However, when we moved back out of our house in the Central West End, mm -hmm. because we didn't really want to buy another building like the one we're sitting in now, but 
we, uh, we got away with it for a while. One day I got a call from Tommy Chong, from yeah. Cheech and Chong. Yeah. I don't know Chom- Tommy Chong, never <laughs> met him. He had my number and he called me. And he said, Ron, this is Tommy Chong. I'll go, yeah, right. And I'm, you know, yeah, right. I'm Kip Padata. Yeah. Um, he said, no, no, it's Tommy Chong. I'm in town. Go look it up. I'm in town this week. And he was playing at the, the, the comedy club over in uh, Collinsville. Uh, yeah. Area, yeah, they had the Funny Bone over there or whatever. Funny Bone. It was a Funny Bone. Yeah. yeah. He and his wife were performing together. He had a young wife. And, um, oh, yeah. I remember. I yeah. remember that. Okay. Yeah. And, and they were actually doing old Cheech and Chong bits, and she was doing she was just doing the Cheech part <laughs> without, without the accent. <laughs> Bizarre. That's wild. So he says, listen, someone gave me your number. Uh, I, I'm on, we're on stage tonight, and I need some recordings on cassette. I need to dub them to cassette. And someone said you would be the guy to do it. So I must have been a concert promoter who knew me, whoever was promoting or whatever. So he comes over. He comes over to my house, and he's wearing a suit. He's Mr. Businessman. Right. Uh, by then, he had directed some movies, I believe. And, you know, he'd done some. He is the, probably the business end of Cheech and Chong. Totally. And uh, totally. we had a nice talk. It was uh, a lot of fun talking to him about his career and stuff and told him about what we were doing and everything. And he said, you know, I mean, we had this service with our syndication, a service called Contest in a Can, where we supplied prizes for morning shows and oh. came up with contests for us. So we would, like, the contest would show up, and it included the prizes. And he said, you know, I've got this thing called urine luck. You know, you know what urine luck is? is what you use to take a urine test right. or a drug test. Yeah, yeah. And he was selling this stuff. Yeah. And I said, well, Tommy, I, I'm pretty sure most stations aren't going to want to give this away. <laughs> but there might be a few. And he goes, that's what I want. I want the ones that, you know, that's the audience I'm looking for. Right. So I'll give you all you want. Right. So we did it. And out of 200 stations, two Two said, yeah, we'll give this away. It is right. cool. All right. They were probably college stations. Definitely. But, yeah. So um, so we did that, and, and we, we went to a show, met his wife, had a great time, and they gave us their number and said, if you're ever out in L.A., you know, come on by, blah, 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 which is what everybody in L.A. does, of course. As soon as they get home, they change their number, and you know, that, <laughs> I, they gave you a fake number or whatever. But <clears throat> six months or so later, a good six months, maybe longer, I get a phone call from his wife. And she acts like she goes, hi, this is, I forget her name, Sin, hi, this is Cindy uh, Chong. I, I don't know if you remember me. You, you met my husband and I. We were performing. And I go, yeah, Tommy Chong. Yeah, I think I know him. Yeah. Okay. And she goes, well, here's the thing. You know that you're in luck thing you guys gave? Yeah. He goes, well, he got arrested for it. Oh, for, damn. For, for peddling and paraphernalia. Oh, and my God. That's what they called it. He goes, so he's got to go to court. And we were wondering if you could fly out to L.A. and testify on his behalf. Holy crap. I said, why? He goes, uh, as a friend. And I said, and who's going to pay for that trip? He goes, well, we were hoping you would just fly oh, and pay for it dude. and testify. And I said, no. no right. I don't really know you guys that well. She goes, well, could you write a letter or something to give the judge? I said, really? You know, I mean, I don't want to be a jerk or anything, but I met you once. And if... You guys must have a lot of friends. Why me? Why you? You know? And she goes, "Well, I'm going down the list, and everybody's saying no." <laughs> oh my God, Ron! I know. I can't believe it. Oh my God! And he went to court, and I believe he did go to jail for a short time. Yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 he did. And I don't. I doubt if I could have changed that. I mean, you know, I, I could see Tommy Chong going, "Yeah, my friend over here, Bob. Uh, it's Ron. Ron. Uh, Ron." <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> is here to testify. Oh my God! And here's what's here was here's what's cool about Tommy Chung. I, I love the guy. Um, like I said, he showed up in a suit. Yeah. And he was a businessman. Yeah. Straight as can be, which was hard to relate to when you're thinking Tommy Chung. That night on stage, I could swear he couldn't be more stoned. He right. was stoned out of his mind until the show ended. Then he right. came out to the table in front to sell cassettes. Yes. Straight as can be again. It's 100% an act. It's just amazing. Dude. And there was no like, hey, while we're here doing these cassettes, you want to smoke a joint, man? You're right. Nothing. You know, it wasn't that kind of stuff at all. He's just Holy Mr. Crap. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, that's interesting. You know, he could do that. Dude, you better believe it, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, because you honestly, if you were really like high the entire time, I'm, I can't imagine. Like, your, your no, set yeah. would suffer. Unless you had great <laughs> managers, you know. I mean, I met someone yesterday who was, quote unquote, an artist, and she was bragging. She says, "No, I, I'm sorry, it was a guy." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he was saying the good thing about it is, you know, I've got a great manager. My partner is my manager, and and uh, uh, he takes care of everything, and he does all the business. I don't have to think about it. I can be an artist. Well, man, that's what we all want. That's what everybody on the planet needs. We, if we could just divide us into managers and talent. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? Everything would That'd work. be yeah. really good. Let, let all those managers right. fight it all out. If there's, yeah, I wish there was some way I could just like, yeah, if I could just like split my brain in half and just be two people, that'd be great. That'd be yeah, wonderful. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Those people who can do that. Those people who can manage their careers. But don't you think a lot of them are pretty annoying? The ones who are the comedians who also manage their yeah. career. Now, I know you do. Yeah. You're not annoying, so well, I don't put you in that list. Well, we'll see. You do it well. We'll you, see. You're using both sides of your brain. <laughs> but a lot of them, the, it's the DJs and comedians, they both, those two, that category in life, yeah. the ones that are out there hustling themselves and just like, hey, you know, I'm good. I, you can use me. I, I'm a great comic. I, 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 can do, I can do what kind of jokes you want. I can do them. You know? Right. Uh, right. Up. Yeah, man. Eventually, it's just like, you know, yeah, comics, I just want to see them on stage. You know, yeah, I, right. I don't want to deal with them in real life often. Yeah. yeah. Well, interestingly, uh, guys like, say, Bob Saget. Now, we worked with Bob Saget when he was in that middle level, too, before he did Full House. And oh, yeah. off stage in the green room behind, you know, yeah. in, back there, he, he was the uh, comedian's comedian. Yeah. He was back there entertaining all of us. <laughs> with the filthiest act you ever saw in your life. He was hilarious. <laughs> then he'd go out on stage with his suit on and do this clean mon pa act. Really? And the audience loved him. They had no idea what they were missing. I see, it's so funny because now he's, I know at this point he's totally embraced that that other side. Now his act is filthy. Yeah. Right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, now he can because he's done all his TV and he's established he can get away with it. He's, he's, he's had it in him all along. Right, right, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, yeah, it's I, you know, there was that that movie. Uh, what is it called? The uh, uh, the Aristocrats. Yeah, right. You know yeah. it. You yeah, know right. It. Yeah, he he's that was his. That was him. He was back there doing that with everybody. That right. that was like running gag they had going. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So Ron, tell us about tell us about on STL. Tell us, give us some information about on STL. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, um, I started on STL at the point I was about to sell my radio syndication company, which I ran for 30 years. Yeah. And I sold it to a company in New York, people I know and love and are doing a great job with it. But I, at the time, the, the, you know, life was changing for radio and it was changing because of the internet and the technology was changing. And a lot of radio stations were saying, you know, we have a website, but we just don't know what to do with it. How do we monetize it? And uh, they asked me, but they asked, I'm sure, a lot of people. But they were asking me because I was a content provider for them. And I realized that most radio stations don't own their content. They don't own the music. They don't own the stuff that I produced for them. Right. They might own one wacky 
uh, phone call from the morning show. You know, <laughs> right. and that's about it. So they didn't have a lot, and that's what they needed. They needed to be able to create content and local content, right. which they didn't do, and put it on the on their website every day. Compelling, entertaining local content. And when I saw that they weren't going to do it because they had to pay money and they didn't want to really do that, uh, and, and, uh, mostly because at that point in time, radio stations had less money than they used to have, and they were in a state of panic because right. of that. That there could be a platform to do that. So I created Honest TL here in St. Louis, intentionally local, intentionally about St. Louis, by St. Louisans, for St. Louis, with daily content, uh, stuff that uh, bare knuckle comedy would do, stuff that uh, not quite right, uh, some right. other local improv groups, things that we produce in house, so that every day we have more uh, new content up there in the way of blogs, in the way of audio, and in the way of video. Yeah. And accidentally, in doing that. Um, and I, my idea was seriously to say, all right, I'll find a way to share the revenue. I can't afford to pay these people, but if we make money, they make money. We right. set up a system for that. To my surprise and delight, most most people who participate in it and, and contribute really aren't doing it for the money. Thank right. God, because we don't make that much money. Right. But, <laughs> but they're doing it because it's a place just like a clubhouse, a club you can belong to. You can come here. We have space. We're moving into an even larger space uh, real soon. Yeah. Yeah, what? Where? Tell us about the new well, space. Right up. now, we're above the fountain on Locust in Midtown. Yeah, and um, and one block west of here, we bought another building, and we're taking over the entire second floor of that building, which is about twice the size of this space, and we'll have several studios in there and, and video production, and a stage. Crazy. It's it's going to be fun. Awesome. That, but it's like it's like I remember the time I bought my first brand new car and I didn't have a job. It's like, all right, now I got to find a way to pay for it. So that's what I have to do. I have to find right. a way to pay for this. Christian, I need your help. Right. We will have bare knuckle comedy night every Thursday you night. You got it. Bare knuckle comedy. You got it. Two dollar, two dollar beers. That's right. That's right. So, so, but accidentally in doing this, we discovered because we had opened the fountain on Locust right about the same time. We own that, Joy. When I say we, I mean Joy and I. Yeah. And, and it's Joy's restaurant, though. I mean, it's hers. She built it. It's her dream. It's her idea. Right. And it's doing incredibly well. It is. It's awesome. But when we opened it that day, we became a small local business owner in St. Louis. And we realized how difficult it is for small local business owners to compete with the big money advertising that comes from out of town. Right. So when you go to a local uh, newspaper Post-Dispatch, <laughs> local TV station, local radio station, KMOX, they, God bless them, they're making money. They don't, they, it's, it's inefficient for them. They don't really, they can't afford to service me right. the Fountain on Locust. Right. And they can't afford to, for any, I mean, you got to have money to show up there, you know. And not, not to mention the, 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 the fact that their business um, has changed, their business model is slowly changing. Newspapers are going out of business and definitely trying to stay in business. Right. If I buy us uh, an ad in the RFT, I'm on a page with 200 million other ads that are so small that you know you just flip past it. You just don't see it. My parakeet gets more of that than I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry RFT, but let's be honest. <laughs> so, so we, we, we accidentally created a platform that allows the small local business owners to level the playing field and compete. By yeah. allowing us to make them part of our content. Notice on our website, you will see no banners. We have one top banner where we're advertising, we're promoting whatever we're doing. Yeah. But no commercial banners. Yeah. They don't work, so why bother? Right. So we're trying to do things with them that work. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, it's great. It's it's a great uh, it's a great site, and it's, it's we left the door open, and we're hearing bells and stuff. Oh, hello. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, man, I'm telling you, it's like it's a I, I like on its tail and layers. You know, like you guys have you know you've you've helped you've helped bare knuckle comedy, you've helped me, and you've helped you know you're helping like you know local filmmakers you know put stuff together. We're we've got a a shoot in September uh, that we're probably going to contact the sort of the the video arm of that to get some get that's some help great. with it yeah yeah there's that's a that's bunch great. of there's a bunch of resources there that are available to you know st louis uh st louis yeah, local I ha- business I'm, people i was shocked at how how much there is here yeah once we you remember you went to the, our very first video team meeting yeah and that was in january when the, there was an ice storm that night and i had yeah. invited 15 people who responded to come to this meeting and I thought, well, okay, maybe two or three will show up. Yeah. Thirty-five people showed up today. Yeah, man. And that has grown since then. And yeah, we're all using that pool of talent. Dude, that's awesome. I didn't even know it had gotten that big. That's great. Yeah. Holy free holies. So yeah, if you need more, more, you know, <laughs> and, and and we can we can do trades for for uh, Apple repair. There you go. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm see. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I got the shirt on. I got the shirt on. Now the great thing about the team, seriously, is nobody charges anybody. It's all just trading talent. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Ron, anything else you wanted to you know let anybody know about? No, I'm worn out, man. Yeah, me too. I'm, yeah, ugh. but it was fun, dude. It was I, awesome. I, I love doing this. Yeah, and I love what you guys are doing. Everything. I, you know, I've been to many bare knuckle comedy shows. You sure have. You've been you, like right in the front row. You definitely. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't do that. That's <laughs> so dangerous. Don't sit in the front row at a bare knuckle. Yeah, comedy you probably shows. don't want to do that. There's yeah. some foolishness that happens. <laughs> Ron. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, man. That was my interview with Ron Stevens about Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Tommy Chong, and George Burns. If you know a comedian with an awesome story like this or are a comedian with an awesome story like this, send me an email at imtheotherguypodcast at gmail.com or send me a tweet at at barenucklehaha. This podcast is part of the Bare Knuckle Comedy Podcast Network, so check out some of our other podcasts. There's Justin Needs a Ride. Comedian Justin Luke doesn't have a car, so he might as well interview the other comedians who drive him to shows while they drive him there. There's also Instant Expert, hosted by Andrew Mihaljevic, in which comedians, improvisers, and other compulsive liars talk about jobs they don't have and topics they know nothing about. The comic learns what they're going to be interviewed about the moment the interview starts. Speaking of bare-knuckle comedy, we have a show this Saturday, August 8th, at the Improv Shop. Five bucks gets you in, there will be awesomeness. My name's Christian Lawrence, and this has been I'm the Other Guy. May your chakra find a passage to the new age. Bare Knuckle Comedy.